Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Hey, I hope you're taking notes on all those messages, but if not, you can find them on our website, livewithpurpose.church, livewithpurpose.church. And you can also find our notes, as she was just saying, at version. And so sometimes people ask, well, how do you do that? So there's a little more, three lines, and there's a, a more button down on the bottom right of your version app, which is a Bible app that you can download on your phone. Then you go to events inside of there. Then you find Thrive Community, find Thrive Community Church. Click on that. Our notes just pop up. And then in the top right corner, you can press save, and boom, you've got some study notes for the week. <laughs> You're really going to get it now. You're going to need those study notes this week. I'm just telling you. Hey, uh, as you can see... We're lining the uh, platform with Operation Christmas Child boxes from Samaritan's Purse. There's still about 30 or so out there. If you would like to grab 10, that's fine. No problem. Nobody's, don't wait around. Just be that guy that goes and buys and gets them all. And then bring them back here before ne- or on next Sunday before or on, on next Sunday. And then we'll ship them off. And there's also a QR code on there. I think you can register. And you can see where your little box goes all the way to the Himalayas or Montana, probably not Montana, but somewhere central South America, Asia, whatever. Uh, maybe Alaska, there's some indigenous people groups there, so who knows. But you'll get to find out, you'll get to, you'll get to track those, and so a lot of fun. We get to bless kids who are less fortunate, and uh, let me just tell you, you are some of the most fortunate people in all of the world. Isn't that good news? Wow, what a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And also, don't forget... We're going through this purple book right here, great for discipleship, uh, our foundation, our penance, our tenets of our foundation, of, true, of our faith, rather. There's 12 chapters, super easy. I'm asking everybody to just munch on it one lesson at a time. It's going to take about a year, but there's plenty of these books back there. Randy, raise your hand, Randy, that handsome man right there. Oh, yeah. He's taken, ladies. He's taken. There's a book right back there, and uh, you can grab one, take it. Uh, we have generous people who have already blessed uh, the, the, uh, the, the cost of those and taken care of that. And so what a wonderful place to be where people just generously bless others' discipleship. Isn't that amazing? But take advantage of it in a healthy way and say, I want to grab my book and start growing in the Lord. I need to know what I believe when I say I, be- I have faith in the Lord. So he'll tell you right there. And it's super easy. Just fill in the blank. It takes you to ask questions, takes you to Scripture, and then boom, there's the answer. And it's not like grade school where you're like, you know, trying to fight for it. You're not going to have bad memories pop up. You're not going to need a freedom session after that because it just kind of got you all angry. It's okay. And if it does, the word of the Lord will heal that. Good news. And uh, let me, anybody at Faith Fest last week, last Sunday? Yeah, that's a good time. Some of y'all are not raising your hands. I saw you there. But hey, we have a little video that I'd like to show, show you. And uh, just a little, little recap. A great time. All our volunteers of churches around the, the county or city were, were play, uh, coming together and serving the community. And so the, the kids had an amazing setup. Look at Thrive Cafe doing it. Yeah. <laughs> On point. Doing it. So Thrive Cafe, we were able to uh, donate uh, funds to restore a bathroom and a, the doors and toilets in an indigenous uh, mountain village in Honduras. So that was really cool for their education. It's actually the mountain village. Their parents are, while they're at school, the parents are picking beans and working in the fields and the coffee beans. And we buy them and then we roast or we, we actually sell them. And uh, so that's really cool. 3,000 pounds of candy. 3,000 pounds of candy. Uh, eight 
people uh, baptized, a few salvations, some healings, physical healings took place in the prayer tent. That was good. Uh, look at all that candy. Man. Everybody, I tell you what, the, uh, the med team, which was UT Health, they came and said, this has been the most organized event of this size we have ever attended. Look, just amazing. We guesstimated coming and going 4,000 people that we served that day. Isn't that amazing? And this team over here, uh, the Gwens and my wife and sister-in-law and Amy, she was at first service, they, they had face painting lines a mile long all day long. They actually have drawn up hands now from face painting. So <laughs> we're going to pray for them at the end of service that they be healed and released in Jesus' name. <laughs> But we're talking today, we're shifting into a new series, gearing up towards our Christmas uh, service on the 18th of December. Grab a friend, grab somebody you don't like and bring them, maybe they'll get saved and you'll start to like them, and grab anybody, family members, think about those people. The person that just popped in your mind, when I said that, you're thinking about somebody, bring them, they're going to need it. And so we're leading up to that, talking about the seven spirits of God. Hey, didn't Cliff do a good job transitioning? Let me do it. Very good, very good. Well, we're talking about the seven spirits of God, and these are actually found in Isaiah. And what a beautiful, our, our graphics team does an amazing job. Well, they, are, they created that on their own. And so they're, we're talking about the seven spirits of God, and as I was plowing into this, I've discovered so much. I'm going to kind of reveal an overview of the seven spirits of God, starting as well with the, the, the first spirit that is mentioned there's no particular order. And then on Christmas, we're going to finish with uh, the my spirit of might, mighty, because he's a mighty God and come as, came as a, just a little baby, but he's a mighty God and there was much reverence towards him as well. But uh, we're going to build towards that. And I've got, uh, actually, Cliff is going to be communicating one of those messages in the, in the series. A, a friend, pastor from behind the veil, Pastor Sam Cumby, will be here through the series. Our own, very own Pastor Cass will be here speaking through the series. And so what I felt like, it, what, what, what I should do is, those who really embody, like just it's evidential, it's evidence on their lives that this spirit, this, this attribute, this spirit uh, of the Lord, this spirit from the Lord, the spirit of God, is on their lives really heavy. And so they could communicate that better to you than I could because it's just natural overflow for them. Is that good? And so I, I try to give you a clear example. But the reality is these attributes, these seven spirits, are attributes of God made available for all of us. And this is the only, the only initiation fee is surrender. <laughs> it, it's, it's to receive Jesus Christ by grace and then receive his gifts of the Holy Spirit by, by grace as well. And so we, we just have to surrender, yield, and he does the rest. Isn't that great? So hard. Or is it easy? It's hard, but it's easy. Isaiah 11, 1 to, and 2, not 3, says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of, Jes of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, the spirit of Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, and a spirit of fear, or it's really reverence of the Lord. But wouldn't it be good if we had the ability to have wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, and even mighty things happening? If we had that ability, 
just naturally. Well, we don't. But there's a supernatural way to have all of these abilities. There's a supernatural, there are supernatural abilities that are above and beyond man's ability. And this is what God is showing us through the seven spirits of God. This is what Jesus came to model on earth. And this is why Jesus left us the helper, the Holy Spirit. And so let me show you, really break these down in scripture. Uh, The spirit of the Lord, which was the first spirit mentioned in in 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now where the spirit of the Lord is, when where their spirit of the Lord, sorry, there's now the, their Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so the spirit of the Lord provides freedom, and that freedom is a freedom from offense. It's a freedom from carrying and living out of offense. Now Jesus says, "You in the world you will be offended, but when I'm free because the spirit of the Lord is on my life, I I might get offended, but I take that offense and I take it back to Christ, and I say here." I can't handle this, you deal with it. He heals me, sets me free because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and I don't live out of that offense. There ought to be a lot of amens to that around here because there's a lot of Christians living out of offense. But where, there's, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's access to be set free from that offense. Freedom also, that's also, what else in freedom? Freedom from their past to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be. So many of us in Christ are living in the past, living from issues, struggles, hurts, and pains, memories from the past. We've yet to be set free from those so that we can walk in the fullness of who God has called created and created us to be. And then freedom to live a life for Christ. Not only that, freedom from a bondage perspective on life. Because we all in some form carry this as we're being sanctified, being washed and cleansed from our past and our old memories, our old bondage. Scripture would say, as even Christians said, we were dead in sin pre-Christ. Now we're alive. Well, it also means we were in bondage. Scripture also, we're in bondage pre-Christ. However, that bondage lens doesn't go away immediately. The example that we have all throughout Scripture is God's, God's children, the Israelites, would go away from God, and then they would go into exile. Specifically, if you were listening to our last series, Nehemiah was leading the people out of a 70-year exile, 70 years of slavery, 70 years of bondage. And the generation, after 70 years, not everybody makes it that went in. Can Can you agree there? So a generation dies off, but a generation is born in bondage. That's the picture of us. When you and I are born, none of us were born saved. If you were, let me know. We need to talk about it. But none of us were born saved, and so we're born in through lens of bondage. And we're, and, and we're constantly trying to figure out how this life works, but when we come to Christ, now we're saved. Things are revealed, but now we've got to wrestle with what we previously believed and how we made decisions before and how we need to make decisions going forward as Christ followers. And that's another reason we give this away and ask you to just go, go along with us in that. And so we're looking and to get being continually set free from a bondage lens, okay? You need to know that because there's things that a, a preacher or a pastor or a church or somebody or a friend will say, and you struggle with it. It's a principle in God, but reality is just some smudge on the lens of your glasses of following Christ. And so once that's cleaned, it's a lot easier to accept because now it's a reality that makes sense. So Proverbs, Proverbs, uh, the Spirit of the Lord gives us wisdom, Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives 
wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is like an experiential knowledge. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. The Spirit of the Lord gives understanding. Colossians 1.9. For this reason also, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Well, why were they praying for it? Because they didn't know before Christ. Now that they're in Christ, Paul and his homeboys are praying that they be filled and receive the, the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So there's more. There's an ability, but then post-Christ, there's another ability. It's a supernatural ability. The Spirit of the Lord provides us counsel. John 14, 15 to 17 says, if you love me, man, you'll just keep my commands. They're not burdensome. They're not, they're not weighty. They're, because you love me, it's easy. And I will pray the Father, you keep, you keep my commands because you, you fell in love with me. And then I pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Remember helper, I had him uh, underline that on purpose, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor, nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells in you, good news, and he will be with you. I'm sorry, in you. John 16, 13 and 14 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Good news. Because when things are looking shady and confusing, I have an advocate, I have a helper who's going to lead me into all truth. He'll lead you into all truth. The spirit of truth has come when he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Wouldn't it be good that you, if you had insight on things to come? Wouldn't it be good if you have the, had the ability to, to navigate a right now situation because of understanding and counsel that you have for a future situation? According to the Lord... This is available. According to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is an attribute of the Holy Spirit. And the only requirement is surrender. For he will glorify, he will glorify me for what for he will take of what is mine and he declares it to you. That's good news. The Holy Spirit is the helper and the spirit of truth who takes from what he hears from Christ. Okay, Christ, that's what you say? That's what you want me to tell him? He goes for those who are willing to listen, and he tells you. It's got wisdom, it's got understanding, it's got knowledge, it's got counsel in it, it's got might. It's amazing. The Spirit of the Lord gives us power or might. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power. This word in the Greek literally is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. Dynamite is power. I mean, it's might, mighty. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. In Christmas service, we'll see how a mighty God came as a little baby. But here's the beauty. He laid down his deity, his godliness, his godship. He laid it down to come as a humble baby so that he could exemplify to the lost world what it looks like to be a human living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I mean, sorry, the Spirit of the Lord gives us knowledge. 
John 14, 25 through 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Great. Because these are all things that are, that are impregnated. They they're embody uh, understanding. They embody an experiential knowledge which provides understanding. It's something, how do you know that? I don't know. It's just the Spirit of the Lord. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. In the middle of your situation, he reminds you, here's what, remember what the Lord says. Then you know how to apply the situation, apply truth in the situation. This is a knowledge different from human, under, human education, study, learning. Like you can't go to school and learn this education, this knowledge. This is a knowledge from the Lord. Uh, this is a knowledge that comes with revelation of things unrevealed to the natural eye. You ever been in a place where, well, I can't, I, you just can't see things. Well, this person can. I can't see how, because of this situation, I don't know why, I don't know why you think that way. I don't know how you can have peace in this situation. It's a supernatural knowledge that provides a supernatural peace that a supernatural God has a supernatural solution to this chaos that we see with our eyes. No eyes can see his wisdom. No ears can hear his, the things that his wisdom can speak. He, the helper makes things known that is pregnant with experiential understanding that gives birth to vision. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit, it was the conception of the Holy Spirit in Mary that gave birth to God's vision for our lives. And Jesus came to just model it, a perfect business model. There's no geniuses in, in Fortune 500 companies. They, they just took this. God said it. Jesus said, they're not getting it. Let me walk it out for them. Let me show them. And then he said, all right, you got it. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's just going to counsel you, going to help you. And just if you ever have any trouble, ever struggling with anything, ever have any fears, worries, anxieties, or, or doubts, the Holy Spirit's here for you. Simple. The Spirit of the Lord gives reverence. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is not like, oh gosh, I hope I don't do anything wrong. He's going to hit me in the head or beat me or he's going to make me sick and ill and he's going to strike me down. No, 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 no. It's a reverence. Because I've spent time with the Lord, and I've, I've, I'm listening to the things of God, and I'm growing in God, and the things that he's telling me are changing my life, my family, my finances, my decisions, my mindset. They're setting me free because it's his spirit. And now I see things differently. This is a place where I want to be. I want to embrace. I want to I live my life according to his will and his ways. So when I start to add things to my life and get away from that, I, it kind of makes me afraid to be away from his presence. So I, I'm, re, I'm revering his presence. I'm not afraid to be in it. I'm afraid to be from it. <laughs> and you only know that to discern that until you start to realize when you spend time with him, you start to, he starts to reveal things that you didn't for, before understand or know or have wisdom for or counsel. And then you start to apply these things, and, man, it just works. How do you do that? I don't know. It just works. Spirit of the Lord. This also starts when we will humble with humble hearts, begin to honor the ordinances of God, the ordinary principles. This is what Nehemiah was trying to say to the people after coming, God's people after coming out of exile. He's like, he's, chapter 13, we ended with it. He restored the tithes and offerings. He restored the Sabbath. And he started breaking them up from people who were married to other people who were serving other gods. It's like, you got to just get back to the ordinary practices of God. They didn't do it. 
And, they were, and the reason that they were in, in, bond, in exile, in slavery, is because their parents didn't do it. And now Malachi comes along, the last prophet we hear from in the Old Testament before 400 years of silence, and then we see Jesus. He's prophesying the same thing. God is saying, you know, your family is most important. Don't stop divorcing. He says, uh, get back to the tithes and offerings. Give your heart to God. You're robbing him. And then he says, your faith. He's saying, your faith, where is it? And then it's, uh, it's just silence. you got 400 years and how many know that even when God's silent in your life, he's doing something on the backside? He's not dormant. It's just, if you're not listening to me, why should I speak? I've said what you need to do already. I, I laid a trailhead for you. I will meet you at the end. But until you start to walk that trail, I'm just going to have to sit here and wait for you because I'm not changing my ordinary principles to meet your desires. But there's, or, there's extraordinary things that he can do when we meet him at the ordinary things. So let me, let me just say this. But fools despise the wisdom instruction of the Lord. I don't have a, they don't have a reverence for his ordinary practices. This was, the, this was the issue with staying in bondage for his people. Let's, let's talk about the spirit of the Lord. Let's talk about the entry. The entry. And let me give you this. this is, we talked about Nehemiah. We talked about Malachi. We talked about the, seven, the 400 years of silence. Now, before all of this, when Moses, when God had Moses deliver the, the Israelites, the God's children, out of bondage, 400 years of bondage there, out of bondage, out of slavery, into the wilderness, into the wilderness, they're in the wilderness, and God gives Moses a design on how he wants his temple, to, his, his tabernacle to look. Laid out a design for the tabernacle. There's an outer court. Then there's an inner court where there's a brazen altar. Now, there's shadow, there are types and shadows, all through natural things that happened all through the Old Testament that have spiritual truths on our side of the cross those shadows, types and shadows, point to spiritual principles and truths over here that you can find in the New Testament. So both testaments are very important for us. So, as a, for example, the brazen altar. This is where people would come and they would slaughter their animals for sacrifice for their sin, an atonement for their sin. Well, that's a picture of us coming to the cross of Jesus Christ because there's only one sacrifice necessary, and he already paid that price. That's good news. So you don't have to, you don't have to be sacrificed, and you don't have to take your pretty little goat to the, to the cross or the, or the brazen altar. And you certainly don't bring it in here. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so then, then water baptism is next. There's the labor. There was a labor. They would go and they would wash and, and cleanse themselves of, of their sins. So now they've been atoned for. Now they go cleanse themselves from the sin. Spiritual principle for, for baptism. The old is gone. And behold, when you come up out of the water, the new has come. The new, new has come. Good news. Then you would be anointed with oil as the priest would have to be anointed with oil. And the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit before you go into the curtain of the holy place. Now, in the holy place, on the, on the left-hand side, if I were giving you a tour, on the left-hand side, there's a candlestick or a lampstand. This is what it would look like. This is what it would look like right here. This is called the menorah. It has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lamps on one lampstand. Got it? All right. And notice the fire on top of it. Now, what happened around 200 B.C. was 
the, the, they still were mixing. Like God's people are still mixing with the Greeks and all these different philosophies and people who served and worshipped other gods. And, and, and these zealots were tired of it. These Jewish zealots were tired of it. They had a reverence for God and they wanted his presence, the spirit of the Lord, his attributes, his power, his lordship to be made known all throughout Jerusalem and beyond, especially in the temple. So Jewish war, holy war breaks out. They finally push out the Greeks and the influence and the influence of all their gods and all the things that come along with that. And then they find the menorah, which is this. This is a menorah. They find it because they're going to consecrate the temple. Now we've moved from tabernacle. Solomon's day, he built the temple. Very similar setup and design architecturally by blueprint. And so now in the temple, they had whenever the whenever the Israelites were taken into exile, the exile that Nehemiah was bringing them out of, Jeremiah the prophet and some of the prophets took the articles of the temple, went and hid them in a cave and some have yet to be discovered. But they did have the lampstand. And so they pull the lampstand out and they're like, "Hey, okay, we're in the temple. We're going to rededicate this thing to God because we're going to drive out these demons that these other gods came with. We're going to get rid of them." So they go. They find that. They find oil to light the the candlestick, the lampstand. And these are actually like little cups, little bulbs, and you would fill it up with oil, and then a wick would be on top and the wick would obviously draw up the oil and cause it to burn. Bad news because they only had enough oil for one little lamp. One little candle, not the whole, not all seven. But they didn't have the patience to just say, hey, we'll wait eight days because it, it's a seven-day process or eight-day process to process virgin olive oils into a, a burnable fuel that is required by law to fill up each one of these bulbs to light the candle for a day. Well, they got one, so they just did that. They took that. They took the seven wicks out, and they dipped it in the oil, and they put what they had in these, and that's what they did. So then they started the process of processing the new uh, the olive oils so that as soon as it's done its seven-day process, they'll fill these bulbs back up, and they'll get it lit. What did they find? They came back eight days later, and everything was still lit. supernaturally shouldn't happen this is a story for us because all we got to do is take the little bit that we have and if we bring that if we surrender that to the lord <laughs> and then the lord gets on top of that the spirit of the lord rests upon that we can do far greater things that you could ever imagine and these are actually jesus's terms these are actually what Jesus said. And so here's what they do. In this specific time that was sovereignly, was providentially dated and stated by God, all these things took place. He put it in the heart of the zealots to drive out the Greeks, all because it, was, it would end, it would, it would happen on a certain time, a certain season. And then they said, well, let's make a celebration, let's make a menorah to celebrate this moment that took place. And they called this a new festival. Let's say it's a festival of dedication. They were dedicating the temple back to the Lord. This festival didn't exist anywhere in the Old Testament that you can find. You can't find it other than this is where it began. History books say it. Uh, the Apocrypha say the Maccabees. It's, it's, it's proven by Jewish culture. It's proven by history. So this festival begins at this certain season. And so in this festival, they create this Hanukkah menorah. And so they start celebrating what is known as Hanukkah. 
it has eight, eight lamps and the ninth in the middle. It has nine lamps total on one lampstand. You have the eight for the days that this menorah was burning supernaturally, the day that they dedicated it to the temple, running all these other gods out, dedicating it to the one true God. Now they have a feast of dedications, a a festival of dedications on the season that they created, that, that they had this consecration of the temple to celebrate what God did. They call it the festival of lights as well. And so... You have to take, here's how the, if you've ever wondered, what's the different menorahs? What's this Hanukkah thing? I'm going to give you a cookies on the bottom shelf version. And so they take this menorah, this Hanukkah menorah, and they take from the middle lamp stand, the middle lamp, the fire that's, they light this one, and they take a candle, and they light day one. Day two, they take a candle, they light day two. Do you know what the name of this middle lamp is? The helper. You remember Jesus talking about, I'm going to go, I'm going to send you a helper. It's also servant, same word, helper, servant. And so they take the fire from the Holy Spirit to light every one of the lamps. You know who the lampstand is? It's actually Jesus. And you know who the lamp, each lamp, each individual lamp is in Revelation? The church. One church, two church, three church, four church, five church, six church, to the churches, the seven churches of Revelation. So you got Jesus, the church, and the fire of the Holy Spirit that has to ignite and light and lead the church. Watch this. The Spirit of the Lord. So we have that. What else did I miss? So, okay. When do we celebrate Christmas? Same time that the Hanukkah is celebrated, right? So here's this picture. God's like, listen, if I can't get your attention by just telling me your ordinances, I'm going to allow all these things to, to play out at your hand, but we're going to have this thing where I'm going to point you to Jesus, and you can ha- do what you want. Here's what they did. They consecrated. They, they think that they're doing all this, and, and yet God is orchestrating this on the backside. He put it backside. He put it in the man's heart. Man's heart did it out of zeal for the Lord, and now they have a celebration that they think they created that's really talking about Jesus. <laughs> it's the festival of lights. It's the feast of dedication. When Jesus comes, we are to dedicate our lives to Christ, right? That's the whole purpose. And so you have this baby that was born in this time of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, and we call it Christmas. Or is it a coincidence? And then look at this. Let me show you this just as an example, Exodus 27, 20. It says, and you shall command the sons of Israel that they bring you clear oil of beaten. Remember, Jesus was beaten for our sins. There was only way that these could be processed, not pressed, beaten olives. For the light, that was the light of the menorah, it had to burn on the fuel of what was beaten. To make the lamp burn continually. Oh, I'm going to build. If I can make it in time, I'm going to build. Revelation, let's talk about this. In Revelation, let's talk about number two, the Revelation. Revelation 1.4. This is John, the Apostle John, who had been exiled out to the island of Patmos. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who, was, who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. 
Revelations 3, 1, Revelation 3, 1, and to the church of, and to the angel of the church of Sardis write, these things you say, who uh, says you who are he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He's got the seven spirits of God in the left hand, seven stars in the right hand. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. Could I say this? Now, you have the name of Jesus on your life, but you don't have the fire to keep it lit. Revelation 4, 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Revelation 5, 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living, four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, just as Jesus, as though it had been slain, having seven horns. Horns are equivalent to power in Scripture. And seven eyes, obviously, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So based on these passages, they were before his throne. He held them in possession just as he held the seven stars. And then the seven lamps of fire which burned before his throne, are the, they are the seven spirits of God. And then the seven horns and seven eyes are the seven spirits of God and are sent out into all the earth. You got a picture of this at creation whenever the spirit of the Lord hovered the earth and everything was created wisdom, with understanding, with counsel, with might, with knowledge. He was creating all of creation. And there's another picture where he's sending, sending it out to be upon his church. The seven spirits are sent out to hover around the earth to lead and guide his church, his people. To lead and guide his people to an understanding that's not natural, that's beyond their own abilities. And so that they would lean into him following his practical, his principal, simple ordinances. And he falls upon, rests upon them, and he gives them the wisdom, the, wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, the, the counsel to do mighty things. As we have reverence in his presence upon our lives. The assignment. Jesus said in Luke uh, Luke 4, 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel to the poor, salvation. He has, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those who have emotional healing, emotional wounds, soul wounds. There's healing for you. That ministry is available in this space, in his church. To proclaim liberty to the captives, set you free, that, that, the freedom from that bondage, that lens of pain, of offense, of internal accusation, of being stuck to the past, you can be set free from that. And recovery of sight to the blind, physical healing, you need physical healing, not a problem for Christ, not a, not a problem for the Holy Spirit to do a work in this house, it's what he's desiring to do. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is the ministry for which Jesus was born of a virgin in a manger at a specific time, as we see, set by God the Father. This is also the ministry of reconciliation. All these five attributes that I just mentioned, they embody the ministry of reconciliation that Paul says all believers have. We don't have the ministry of preaching. 
We don't have the ministry of pastoring. Pastoring is a gift from Christ to the church. We don't have a, a ministry of apostleship. That's a gift from, from Christ to the church. We all have a same ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation, and it looks like preaching the gospel to the poor. It looks like setting those who have emotional wounds, have, helping them get set free from that. It looks like the physical bound to be physically set free. It looks like everything that Jesus just said but when the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Everything we do is to be framed up by this understanding. Religion will say that it needs to look uniform and smug. And its bondage lens will, will have hardship and try to hold everything to what it thinks it should be. Relationship teaches that it's a package that all the relationships and ministry are lived out of. Man, as I'm going into the lost world... I'm carrying the ministry of reconciliation. I'm carrying the spirits of God on my life. And whenever wisdom is necessary, I have a supernatural ability to apply wisdom or counsel for your situation or, or, or understanding into a situation so I can grab you, help you whenever you're struggling and help you navigate through what this situation would look like if you just followed the will and the ways of God. He didn't call you out of darkness, called you back into darkness because you are the light. He didn't keep you from, rescue you from a place uh, externally. He rescued from a place internally so that you could be the light externally. Religion will say you don't need to hang out. Jesus says you need to be with the sinners. Don't let them influence you more than you're influencing them. Pharisees say you stay away, away from them. How can I affect the world? When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, he empowers you to be different in the same arenas that he sets you free from. We are now seeds of salvation planted in the dark, fertile soil for the harvest to come. You are a seed planted exactly in the place, the life, wherever it is, the domain, the area of life that you, you are in when you get saved or where you live currently, you are a seed of light for salvation to come. Yeah, you got to work that trench. Yeah, you got to plow that field. Yeah, you got to lean into God. Yeah, you can't let all the influence come in upon you. You got to stay in reverence to the Spirit of the Lord so He can give you wisdom and understanding and knowledge beyond human understanding and knowledge so that you can be a light to the lost world. Here's how, here's how this is in, is in operation in our day. It's through the Holy Spirit, and here's an example of what God gives us in the Old Testament when Samuel, a prophet of God, one of the last judges turned prophet, prophet of God, anoints Saul, the first king. The people wanted a king, but he anoints him as a king, a leader for God, for God's people. And he says this right here in 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 7. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Some, some of us need the Spirit of the Lord on our lives to turn our hearts a little bit. Change our hearts from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, one that's moldable and pliable in the hands of the Lord. So he can reform and reshape we're on the, like we're on the potter's wheel, hands always wet, the clay is always just being worked. Our lives should always be constantly worked, and the impurities... 
that the, 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 the stuff from the past should constantly be getting smoothly, not religiously and law-based worked out, but smoothly worked out of our lives. He says, and let it be when these signs come upon you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. And you're in the middle of a situation. You're in the middle of that dark place. You're in the middle of sinners and lost people and tax collectors. You're in the middle of, of all of that, but your heart is reverent towards the presence of God. The power comes, the might comes upon you the wisdom the understanding the thing necessary he's saying do as the occasion commands and demands because the spirit of the lord is working through you we've got to get to a point where we trust because of our presence because of our our relationship with god and what we do in the sense of our simple ordinances relationship with him, humility, surrender. As we go, he's giving us ideas that are beyond our own, and all of a sudden, because we're doing the very things that he's putting in our heart to do, as the occasion demands, he blesses it. He makes a way where there is no way. But he's calling for people to be the carriers of the spirits of God, the presence of God, so that he can impart what life he needs to impart through you. Just in the same way he put it providentially in the hearts of those zealous, the zealous Jews to push out the Greeks, he places things in the hearts providentially. He, your desire, his desires become your desires, and you didn't even know that they weren't your desires before. Acts 1.4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the, the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Let's skip down to this. Isaiah, 1, Isaiah 11, the next verse was three, says, His delight, those who have the Spirit of the Lord and the seven, seven attributes of the Holy Spirit, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and He shall not judge by, by the sight of His eyes, nor, nor decide by hear, the hearing of his ears. There's things that you see that the world is seeing around you. No, I don't see it that way. I see a clear path all the way through here. If anybody's ever been a skier or a snowboarder, before you go down that mountain, you already see your trail and it's just clear and evident. You know your route. You know your line. You know what you're going to do. It's the same thing in the world. No, here's, here, I don't see how you can't see this. It's plain as day. Here's the route. Here's what we need to do. Here's what it looks like on the other side. And this is what God is doing. He's on the other side and he's calling, in, uh, calling us into himself and he's navigating us backwards, giving us wisdom and counsel and guidance and, and understanding. And we're frantically frolicking and, and, and crying and weeping. And he's like, dude, just follow my voice. I want to read you Zechariah 4. He says, now the angel of the Lord, uh, the angel who is, is, is a prophet as well, the angel who talked with me came back and, walk, and wakened me as a man who wakened out of his sleep. And he said to him, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it and, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right and one at the left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are, what are these, my Lord? Verse five, and the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by man's might, 
not by man's strength, power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The times like these, yeah, go vote. But don't think your vote or your candidate is gonna change this world. Vote, vote, vote biblical principles. I don't care what color it is, vote biblical principles. But God is looking for people who will be carriers of his presence, who will change the world around them, who will change the world around them, who will change the world around them. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. This is what he's, what he's saying, anything that you think is great by the human terms, God will bring it down and it won't, it won't make a difference what it looked like before. It'll be a flat land, you'll just walk right on through. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it, sounds like Jesus. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this temple. Let me tell you, he's not talking about a physical temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For, the, for who has despised the days of small things? Don't despise a small beginning. For these seven rejoice, the seven spirits of God, to see the plumb line. Let me just tell you, this plumb line, this, this righteousness, this, this way of living that is beyond human terms, human understanding, every one of us, I know I, you may be here today and you need somebody who's walking that plumb line, not religion, not law, but somebody who can guide you right back to the path of Christ. I did. My grandmother would do it, take every opportunity from my hard head. Every time I call, what are you doing? If she could see through my voice what I'm doing. Always giving me a verse of scripture. Hated it. Because <laughs> I knew she was right and so was that dadgum scripture. The plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, somebody needs, needs you to be a friendly plumb line. They need you to be carrying the presence of the Lord so that you can give them a supernatural understanding that's beyond their ability to understand their situation right now. The plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are, they are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then, the answer, the, the, then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right and the lampstand and, and, and its left, of the lampstand and its left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Then he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Now he's identifying the lampstand, the Lord being the lampstand right here. That's one thing I want you to see. Now in Revelation, it talks about two Two, uh, two olive trees, as it just spoke about, and two other little lampstands being right next to the Lord. In the context of this, he's talking about Zerubbabel, who was a priest, and, and the second Joshua, not the Joshua of Moses, but the second Joshua led the people also out of exile. What he's saying is, he's gonna build his foundation, he's gonna build his temple, he's gonna build his kingdom on the spirit of leadership and preaching the word. Just preach the word, just live the word. Your life lives the word, it preaches the word, the spirit of the Lord upon you. Just live the knowledge, spiritual, the supernatural knowledge that is beyond human understanding, the supernatural wisdom, just live it. The supernatural counsel, just live it. Watch mighty things happen. Do the, don't worry about the ordinary practices, just do them and watch extraordinary things happen. Just do it beyond your own human understanding. 
Because then, not by might, not by your power, but by his spirit, he will do it. Whatever it is in your life, he will build you, he will build your family, he will build your, your relationships, your work, your occupation life, your finances, the church. It's his design. But we need the fire of the Holy Spirit that's sitting on the menorah, and we need the helper, the Holy Spirit himself. Let me pray for you. Come on. Father, we just thank you so much for this day. And right now, I just pray for those who have, they've heard from the seven spirits of that. They've heard from the Holy Spirit. They've been in a situation and they've had the supernatural knowledge beyond human knowledge, supernatural wisdom, the supernatural understanding and counsel. And because of fear of man, they pulled away. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask that you reignite the fire with the fuel to once again speak into their lives, into the situations of what they're going through, whether it's finances, marriage, relationship, children. But they do not leave by their human understanding, but by a supernatural understanding. Because you are who you say you are, Lord, we know you'll bless it. We pray for, pray for healing today, pray for hearts to be healed, pray for minds to be set free, pray for the limbs of bondage to be all the more clear. Pray for physical healing for those who need physical healing. If you're here today and you need anything, you just want to celebrate, doesn't matter. We're going to have a prayer team up here after, after worship and want to invite you forward. So, Father, we just thank you for all that you do. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here.